Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Dance floor, nothing personal. Word of the day for Tuesday, October 5th, 2021 is dance floor. I couldn't resist leading the show. Coca and I were in complete agreement that Urban Oscar Meyer absolutely gets the lead on today's nothing personal. For those of you who don't know, because you're living under a rock, Urban Meyer is a very successful college coach who made the move to the pro ranks is now the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They haven't won a game. They had the first pick in the draft. They drafted Trevor Lawrence, the Heisman award-winning Fabio, who's thrown more interceptions and had more losses in the first four games than maybe in his whole career. And there's been a lot of content about Urban, whether or not he can translate into the pro ranks. Is he gonna go back to college the way Nick Saban did when he failed with the Dolphins? The world is littered with great college coaches who can't make the change to the pros. But Urban is not leading off because the Jaguars stink, because that's not newsworthy. That's a fact. He's leading off because somebody wanted him to go on to the dance floor. The backstory is that he went to get some drinks. Apparently, people wanted his picture or his autograph. So he went to hang out, took some photos. Someone tried to get him to dance. He didn't want to get off his chair. So apparently the woman who was in his restaurant actually basically started giving him a lap dance and he was enjoying it. And someone put it on video and it became a thing. How many times do we have to tell players and coaches and executives that there is no more paparazzi because everybody is paparazzi? We have a call. Hello? Shad? Is that you? Y- yes, it's me, Urban. Urban. Are you aware of what's going on? Um, no, Shad. Tell me what's, what, what are you even talking about? Urban, there is video of you, the coach of my team. There is video of you fondling a girl and doing some sort of thing with your hand under what shot. I was not doing that. That's my restaurant. That's what I do to everybody who comes into the restaurant. I'm friendly. I say hello. I sign autographs. I take pictures. Urban, are you aware that we're going to have to deal with this? Who else knows about this shot? Everybody, Urban, it's on the inter Google. Well, where can I find it on my phone? Oh, my. Oh, Shad, one second. One, Shad, can you hold on one second, please? I'm getting a call. Hello? Hi, honey. Yeah, I'm just on the phone with Shad. What's up? Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Oh, oh, okay. I will tell him to hold. No, but he's the owner. Oh, I know. We've been married since 1986, but all right. Hold on one second. Click. Shod. Hey, that's my wife. Can I just talk to her for one quick second and get back to you? And could you do me a favor and get the PR people on the phone, get them ready? Because I have a feeling I'm going to have to do something and I'm going to want to be prepared. One second. I'll be right back to you. Don't hold. Hold on. Hello? 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 Damn it. Let me get her back. Hello, sweetheart. Listen, we were there together at the restaurant. You left. I stayed. I do this all the time. I I didn't, you know, I, I would never do anything to embarrass you. I know that the team hasn't won a game. I do know that. And I, yes, I do know she's young. Oh, she's got to be over 20. Wait, that wasn't a sweet 16 party, was it? Oh, it couldn't have been. No, that woman was definitely 21. I swear to you. And I wasn't going to dance. I should, I should have just left. I would, I just took a photo. My hands were there because I had a little ham issue, a hamstring issue. My back was hurting because, you know, the stools at the bar in the restaurant, there's no back. So I had to lean forward a little bit, but I, I wasn't going to go dancing. I, sweetheart, I, I got to deal with this. Are you, are we good? Oh, oh God, I'm getting a call. Hold on. Hold on. Hello? Yes, I was just on with mom. I, I understand. I'm so sorry. No, no, I am. But can I get back to mom? No, no, I didn't. Yes, she was over 14. All right, I'll get back to you. All right, sweetheart, I got to get back to Shad. Okay, thanks. Shad, it's Urban. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to call a press conference. All right, and I am going to deal with this, and I'm going to talk to the players. Just give me 10 minutes. I want to talk to the players first. Thank you so much. Don't fire me. We're going to win a game any week now. I, I swear to you. Oh, we don't want me to win a game because you want to move to London? Oh, that's right. That's our plan. All right, we'll get back to that. I'm going in the clubhouse. Hey, uh, can I meet with you leaders here? Hey, I just want you to know that I was put into a compromised position yesterday by some people at a bar. And I've told you guys, you got to be careful. I told you, Trevor, I told you, don't go to Vegas. Be careful. Surround yourself with people. Protect you. I had no one. I was just taking photos. It was my restaurant. What am I going to do? Are we good? Oh, I agree with you. I should call better plays. Yes, I like a better defensive scheme as well. I appreciate you not caring that I was doing that, but you know, my family is totally upset and I have to deal with Shad. Do me a favor when you see Shad, tell him it's no big deal. Tell him you do this all the time and we're good. Are we good? We're good. All right, let me go meet the media. All right. No, you're right. Let me meet the whole team first. Hey guys, it's Urban. We're preparing for a game right now. I just want to point out that I did something that I tell you not to do and I want to be held accountable. I'm the head coach of this team. And when I say don't put yourself in a position where you're going to get embarrassed or do something to embarrass the organization, this is what I'm talking about. And it can happen totally innocently. There is no question that I had no interest in dancing with that gorgeous blonde and her four friends, all of whom I'm positive were at least going to be 25 in four years. I know, but I shouldn't have. I wasn't going to. You know, I can't dance. I know you've never seen me do a victory dance. But back when I was the college coach, I would go to those parties in the sororities. And oh, no, sorry. What I meant is when I was a college coach and we'd win all those games, I do a lot of dancing. All right. I got to go meet the media now. All right. Uh, PR guy. What's your name again? I've never needed any PR in my life. PJ. All right. PJ, what, what do you want me to do here? Um, Urban. You have to take the microphone and you have to immediately show remorse 
and you have to apologize for your actions. Don't take any questions before you have spoken about the owner, your family, and the players, and you decide what order. But I got a hint. You may want to start with your family. That's just me. Oh, I got this, PJ. I do this for a living. I don't need you. All right, bring in the cameras. Bring in the cameras. I'm ready. All right, hold on. Let me get my game face on. For those of you watching Nothing Personal with David Sampson on YouTube, you may want to go to YouTube right now. If you're listening to this, you may want to go to YouTube and see exactly the facial expression because this is Urban Oscar Meyer as he walks in and gets ready to meet the media. He's excited. He's ready to take care of it. He knows it's no big deal. He knows everything's fine. He's got a smile on his face. The cameras turn on and then boom. It looks like he's being called into the principal's office or that he's getting in trouble with his grandmother or that his dog died. He's got a very dour face. His jowls are touching the top nape of his neck. His eyes are skirting around the room. He's making eye contact with nobody at all. He's looking around. He's looking down. Rule one, when you are trying to do an apology press conference is you look into the camera. And when you're not looking into the camera, you look into the eyes of the print reporters. Those who are there with their notebooks, you look at them. You engage with one, then the next, then the next then the next. So everyone leaves that room saying, I had a connection with the person who's apologizing and that feels genuine to me. Then they write that it's genuine. Then they comment that it's genuine and then you can move on. Instead, Urban didn't want to take any PR advice. He had his eyes start around the room like he was about to get arrested and spend 10 years in the clink. So he gets up there, his smile goes away and he starts acting except his acting is so bad. He's acting that, that this is way more than it was. So the first thing he does is he says, I apologize for being a distraction. I don't want to be a distraction to my team. And I was, I was just a distraction. That's it. Then he takes questions. Someone had to ask, hey, did you speak to Shad? Oh, yeah, I spoke to Shad. We're good. Oh, by the way, did you speak to your family? Oh, of course I spoke to my family. They were upset, but now we're good. You have to on direct, which means before it's open to questions, you have to hit certain talking points when you're giving an apology tour or when you're trying to get a message out. And Urban, with all of his PR experience, with all of his victories on the field, was unable to understand how to conduct this press conference. Now, if I had to do the press conference, I would have done it slightly differently. I would have taken the microphone and said the following. Looking straight at the camera and never moving. Do you have any questions about next week's game? You don't? All right. If you have a question about the video that was on the Internet, I do not have one thing to say about that. My owner, my players, and my family know the man I am. They know exactly what I was doing there, know exactly what my intentions were, and I am not going to spend time talking about that when we've got a game to win on Sunday. Am I clear? Am I clear? Now, do you think that's too strong? When you're in a situation where you are being videoed, and you're not caught like Rob Lowe in a sex tape or Paris Hilton or any of the other people where you're caught with your pants around your ankles, if they're on at all. There is not one member of the media. There's not one GM, president, 
owner player who has not been in a restaurant or a bar or a nightclub or a casino or a amusement park where there has not been a moment where there has been some sort of position where it could look as though that they are doing something that, oh, that may not look perfect. Not one. Everyone in the media knows it. Everyone who's listening to the show knows it. Everyone who's watching Urban Oscar Meyer knows it. When he takes the microphone in the podium and he acts like his dog died and that he just committed the worst sin alive, and then he does it in such a poorly executed way, it makes the story go on and on and on. Instead, snip it. You go full moil. You snip it right in the bud and you stop that from becoming a story by saying, yeah, that was me. You would have done the same thing and you have. Any other questions about Tennessee and the fact that we're 0-3? Next. (sighs) Can we promote the dust products that we were talking about before the show, Coca? Coca and I have dust in our computers. We have dust in our home studios. And I bought him a present. I went on Amazon and I bought a present. And the present is a universal dust cleaner. I didn't know what it was. I sent one to Coca. I sent one to me. We opened it. And it looks like and feels like Play-Doh. It's this gelatinous, gelatinous, (laughs) that's a new word. It's this gelatinous product that I opened before the show to try to de-dust the keyboard. And what ended up happening, I'm going to just show it to you on the air right now. I'm not even going to tell you the name because we're not being paid to show it. I'm just going to show it to you. Look at this yellow glob. (laughs) But it feels like my hands are all wet, but they're not. I have a feeling that if I sniff this enough, hold on. I just passed out. I can smell. Coca, does this smell like anything? Because I'm wondering if it smells like toxic dump waste. But it does de-dust stuff. Okay, nothing personal pick of the day. How did the Raiders do? What a fraud. The Raiders wouldn't have covered 13 points. We're back to 128 and 109. But now it's wild card time. Wild card time. Tonight. Tonight's the night. Not like any other night. One of the Red Sox and Yankees are going to wake up tomorrow. DBR. Despondent beyond repair. The Yankees will be more despondent than the Red Sox. Because the Red Sox will feel like they overachieved. But at the ownership level, John Henry and Tom Werner will be less than happy. It's their first playoff appearance since 18. And they don't want it to end in nine innings. The Yankees have made the playoffs consecutive years, but have not really advanced to the World Series at all. Losing today would make their season a complete failure. Not as big a failure as if they had lost yesterday. But that's the crazy thing about the one-game elimination. You get to say your playoff streak's alive. You get to say you made the playoffs. You get to sell into next year by saying you were a playoff team. But you really were in the playoffs for 24 hours. You lost a game. And then it's on to the next year. Another year without winning a World Series. So the Yankees are going to pitch Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, the $300 million bionic man, is going against an old pitcher we had in Miami named Nathan Avaldi. Nathan Avaldi started on the Dodgers. We got him from 
No. I don't know where we got Nathan Avaldi. I think we got him from the Dodgers, or did we trade him to the Dodgers? We may have traded him to the Dodgers, and then he was traded to the Red Sox and then signed a deal with the Red Sox. Anyway, he had that great postseason run. Was the postseason run with the Dodgers? And then the Red Sox signed him to the free agent? Tell me, Coca, because I can't remember. He was traded by the Dodgers to the Marlins. We got him from the Dodgers. And then we traded him to the Yankees. I did not remember that. Why did we trade him to the Yankees? Oh, got it. He was in arbitration. <laughs> he was making too much. And we thought that he probably doesn't have a good enough secondary pitch, even though he always liked his breaking ball. And he could throw 98, 99. He could throw a hundo. The Yankees got him. The Yankees then released him. And then he was signed by the Rays. Who, Coca, how do you even remember this? He's got to be reading this. And then the Rays traded him to Boston. And then he must have done well in Boston because he signed a long-term deal. He's making a ton of money. Side note, one of the nicest players I ever had. Engaging, smart, talkative. Shy in the beginning, but he's a big-time competitor. So Ivaldi's going for the Red Sox. Cole's going for the Yankees. If you are watching this game, I want to give it to you from a few different perspectives. MLB, they're rooting for the Yankees. It is critical for the Yankees to play the Rays. It is critical for the Yankees to beat the Rays and get to the LCS. The Rays had their run to the World Series. It did not make baseball happy, not because they don't like Stuart Sternberg. It certainly did not make owners happy to watch a team with the small payroll make it to the World Series while they're paying so much to not be successful. The union doesn't like the Rays in the World Series because they don't want owners to think that you don't have to pay a lot of money to get to the World Series. The networks don't want Tampa in the World Series because people in Tampa don't even care if they're in the World Series. Yeah, there are a lot of good fans in Tampa. You know that, and you know I love the Rays. But it is critical, critical for the Yankees to win this game. So MLB wants the Yankees. The Rays want the Red Sox. The reason why the Rays want to play the Red Sox is while the Rays did beat the Yankees two out of three, the reality is when you look at a five-game series, Tampa's better than both teams. The reason I am rooting for Boston instead of New York is I don't want to take the chance that anyone in that lineup gets hot for a period of five games. Because it could be Gary Sanchez, it could be Glaber Torres, it could be Stan, it could be Judge, it could be Rizzo, it could even be Gallo. Not necessarily likely, but possible. I just would rather that lineup. I don't have to think about it. The Red Sox are a scrappy team. I got to worry about Devers. I got to worry about Kiki Hernandez, who the Dodgers know well, we know well as well. Wow, was that the same trade, by the way, Coca? I think we got, no, totally different. All right. Oh, we got David Phelps and Martin Prado for Evaldi. God, that was a great deal. That was a great deal. Were people complaining about that deal because Evaldi was a good starting pitcher and Phelps was a bullpen guy who was a swing guy who did start games for us, who was so good for the Marlins. And we got Martin Prado, one of the best acquisitions we had. He's the one who we offered that contract to right before Jose died. And then... Jose died and we shouldn't have gone forward with the contract with Martin Prado because our team wasn't going to win, but we ended up being honor honoring our word. I remember going up to Martin Prado and this was 
you know, seven days after Jose died, because you recall that was at the end of the season. And we had had an agreement on an extension with Prado because he was a leader of the team. And we, uh, he was worried that we were going to pull the deal off the table. Our baseball people told Jeffrey to pull the deal off the table because without Jose, we needed to rebuild. Instead, Jeffrey said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to honor the deal with Prado and let's go sign Edinson Volquez and see if we can maybe have him combine with potentially Chen can get better. And we still have Prado and Stanton and Yelich and Ozuna. And maybe we have a chance. Volquez did end up throwing a no hitter the following year, which was 17, but the team just, uh, we couldn't get it together. But Prado did get that deal and was a, a leader on the Marlins. The Evaldi trade, by the way, to the Yankees, that's how the Yankees got Domingo Herman and a guy named Garrett Jones, if you can remember that. That was a big trade. We got Prado and Phelps for Herman Jones and Evaldi. Hmm. I like that one. Thank you for the memory. Memories of the way it used to be. Okay, so MLB, Yankees, Rays, Red Sox. What about the game? Who can predict who's going to win this game? How does Garrett Cole do against the Red Sox? Forget it. How does Ivaldi do against the Yankees? All these stats are going to be given to you today. This is what people in the media do, and it makes me smile. They get on the air. They do an hour of pregame. They give you every stat, batter versus pitcher. Do you know that Alex Verdugo is seven for 21 against Garrett Cole with eight strikeouts, two home runs, and a double? He's going to be the key. I'm making all that up because in the real world, the people running the team, we actually don't look at that. Now, everyone in analytics will say, oh, my God, of course we look at that. Analytics is based on a large sample size, and it's based on the way casino games are based, where the odds are over time on the roulette wheel, you're going to get a red, but you may get 10 blacks in a row and a few greens put in, but eventually a red's going to come up. Do you have the money to stay there until you do? Analytics goes out over time. This is going to happen. It doesn't mean at this particular at bat that this player is going to hit into the shift. It means more often than not, this particular player will hit that way when he hits it on the ground. Therefore, we're going to play him that way. It doesn't mean he's not going to hit a home run or a single the other way. So the reason why when we're making up our lineups for the wild card, we're not solely focused on stats versus the pitcher who's facing us or the team or how they're doing in their last five or seven games. We're putting a lineup together to the best of our ability that has gotten us where we are today. If we have a platoon situation and there's a righty pitching, we're going to play our left-handed players. If we've changed our lineup when the righty's pitching versus a lefty and Cole's on the mound, we're going to, even if someone is 0 for 20 against Cole, we're going to play him. So the pressure really goes to the starting pitchers in one game elimination games. Because if your team is out of it immediately, in a regular season game, if, if a pitcher gives up six runs in two innings, you pull them out, you make it a bullpen game, and you live to see another day. One in 100 times, one in 500 times, you can come back from a six-run deficit, but generally, the game's over. So what the Red Sox and Yankees hope, like every wild card team hopes when you have one game only, is that this is not a day where your starting pitcher gets rocked and has to be pulled early. 
But the key to tonight's game will not be Garrett Cole. It will not be Nate Evaldi. The key is actually going to be the bullpen. Because in games like this, more often than not, the starter does survive, and it's not a blowout in the first two innings. So you bring in someone like Lois Sega. You see what Chapman's going to do. You wonder whether Pavetta will get the ball, how Sawamura is going to do. Maybe Whitlock. If you're watching the game tonight, watch for the bullpens. The team that has the best bullpen performance generally will win a game. When it's a one-game series, obviously anything can happen, but I'm looking bullpen. If I had to guess what's going to happen tonight, somebody is going to be a hero because in one-game playoffs, that's what happens. They hit the big home run. I think it could be Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is not even hitting above the Mendoza line. Struggled since he was traded to the Yankees. When he connects, he connects. I think that he would be my possible player to hit a home run tonight. Stanton's going to feel pressure because he's never been to the World Series and wants to get there. That's why he wanted to be traded to the Yankees. He's been so hot, but he cooled off since he was hot. The Yankees, you're going to hear all day today, they swept the Red Sox in Fenway last month. You're going to hear the Red Sox beat the Yankees seven times in a row back early in the season. But now the Yankees caught up, but the Red Sox won the season series 10-9, which is why the Red Sox are hosting blah, blah, blah. It's all a bunch of noise. Don't get fooled by any of it. The president of the Red Sox and the president of the Yankees, the GM of the Yankees and Red Sox, and even the managers, they don't have the first clue who's going to win tonight because no team should be favored in a one-game playoff. However, we're taking the Yankees. Nothing personal pick of the day. Yankees over the Red Sox. Wait to see. When we come back, we're going to preview a show that is on the best streaming network ever. Hold on. Let me make sure I have the read right. One second, please. Hold on. It's right here on my phone. When we come back after the break on Nothing Personal, David will review. Oh, sorry. When we come back, 4-10-69. When we come back after the break, I will review a show called Queen Pins, now streaming on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is the place for all of your favorite movies and shows. Just go to Paramount Plus and sign up today and watch Queen Pins immediately. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. You made it through the gauntlet. Did you sign up for Paramount Plus during the break? It's actually great. You can watch Survivor. You can watch all of the other CBS shows, all the tons that I watch, all great movies. Queen Pins is with Kristen Bell, who is Dax Shepard's partner from Frozen. And she's been in a bunch of other really good movies that I can't think of. Oh, she was in uh, Couples Retreats. I really like that one with John Favreau and Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn, Six Degrees of Separation, is in Queen Pins. Vince Vaughn has become this now. He does. He's such so good as a leading man. He plays an FBI agent investigating at the request of the guy from Kingdom, who also played Richard Jewell, whose name is, it's not Doogie Hauser, but it's something, there's three names, Paul David Hauser, Paul Walter Hauser. Thank you, Coca. These women, it's Kristen Bell and Kirby Howell Baptiste. Get this. They steal coupons and sell them. If you could buy a coupon for free toilet paper, how much would you pay for that? Well, if toilet paper costs you $20 for 10 rolls and you buy it for $10, you've just saved 50% on a coupon you never had. So they steal the coupons. You get a coupon. You give them $10. These women, true story, defrauded major companies like Procter & Gamble of millions and tens of millions of dollars. It, it was, it's like the Keystone Cops. They didn't know what they were doing. They're going to Mexico. They're going up here, up there. True story. Guess what happens when you break the law? I'll give you one guess how the movie ends. And they lived happily ever after. In the clink. Well, maybe it doesn't end that way. But I enjoyed the movie. It's entertaining. I miss uh, Vince Vaughn. I was going to say Greg Vaughn because I'm thinking about the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm going to... Uh, suggest to you that you watch it, not because it's on Paramount Plus, because that's not really why, because it's actually candy. And if you like candy, you'll like Queen Pins. All right, Coca. Oh, this is a great question. Go. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Get on Twitter at David P. Samson. Hit the follow button. Twitter is the only app that's working from what I understand. So just hit the follow button. Then go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review and follow and Spotify and download and tell your friends that we're having fun here every day. 45 minutes par jour, 45 minutes a day we're coming to you. So you want to talk to Samson's from the movie Half-Baked. Veterans of Nothing Personal know this. All of the new listeners, and according to the most recent stats, there are many of you out there, Half-Baked is a movie with a character named Samson. And people always want to talk to him. So get yourself six-eighths baked and hear this question. Would you be upset with your coach for doing what Harbaugh did? I went with that question, even though there was no, hello, David. Hey, love the show. Hey, love you. Hey, hey, Coca. None of that. It was just a straight up, quick, to the point. I don't get to every question on Twitter, but my DMs are still open. So the name of the coach in Baltimore is a guy named John Harbaugh. 
You know the Harbaugh brothers. They played each other in the Super Bowl as coaches. One coached at Stanford. One coached with the Niners. One coaches at Michigan now. One coaches the Baltimore Ravens. The same team, Coca's favorite team, with Lamar Jackson, that great top four quarterback. The Ravens have a record. 42 games in a row. They've rushed as a team for 100 yards. And in the APL, which is what the NFL is becoming, in the all-pass league, that is a tremendous accomplishment. But the record is 43 from the Franco Harris-led Pittsburgh Steelers. Harbaugh, as coach of the Ravens, wanted his team to break the record. They're playing the Denver Broncos, the erstwhile undefeated Denver Broncos, the Denver Broncos who only beat the crappy teams to go undefeated. So it was a Fagazi, much like the Mets season when they were in first place, when Coca said to me, don't worry, when their schedule gets tough, they're going to be under 500 in a GIF. And boy, was Coca right on that. So the Broncos play a good team like the Ravens, even though the Ravens are missing half their team. And Coca's cousin apparently is the nose guard. And Coca's sister-in-law is apparently the cornerback. But for whatever reason, the Ravens are still good. They're winning the game. Last play of the game, time for a kneel down. Except the Ravens don't have 100 yards rushing. So instead of a kneel down, which is a play that they do in football, when the quarterback takes the ball, everyone's huddled around him. There's a formation called the end of game formation, or it can be the end of half formation, the end of something formation, end of days, Ray finds, And you kneel, and then the clock expires. Everyone goes home. You flip the ball to the referee. You run across the field. You hug your counterpart. You go your separate ways. Done. On to the next week. Instead of kneeling, the Ravens ran a play. Lamar Jackson kept the ball and rushed, and he rushed for five yards, thereby surpassing 100 yards for the game, thereby tying the Pittsburgh Steelers for the all-time NFL record for consecutive games with 100 yards rushing. Meanwhile, on the other side of the field was a head coach for the now 3-1 and one Denver Broncos named Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio, who's worked with both Harbaugh brothers, lost his ravioli. He was so angry that the Ravens ran that play. When asked about it, he said the run at the end of the game was kind of bull, S-H star T. He said, in my 37 years of coaching, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Furious. So the media hurries up to John Harbaugh and says, hey, tell me about that play. And he had the perfect quote. It's one of those things that's meaningful, he said. It's a very, very tough record to accomplish. It's a long-term record. So I'm not going to say it's more important than winning the game for sure. It's not. But as a head coach, I think you do that for your players. You do that for your coaches. And that's something they'll have for the rest of their lives. And as for what my former assistant coach said, I'm not going to give that insult one second thought. He said a few other things that were funny, too, about Denver trying to score at the end, even though there was no way to score 16 points on a last second touchdown. But people still try to score to pad their offense. That's the whole prevent defense. You're preventing your team from winning sometimes or you're letting the other team score for a backdoor cover and you don't see coaches going crazy. When Russell Westbrook gets a triple double by missing a shot and getting his own rebound, 
therefore tying Oscar Robertson to get upset. When you're trying to hit for this cycle in baseball and you've hit a double, a triple, and a home run, the game is out of reach in the ninth inning. You are up by 12 runs. You hit a ball in the gap and you stop it first, therefore hitting a cycle. The Marlins have never had a cycle. We told our players, if you can get a cycle and it will not impact the outcome of the game, you do it. If you need a double and you think you can make it a triple, stay on second. If you need a triple, but you're worried you're going to get thrown out, we tell them before they go up to the plate, make them make the throw. We wanted a cycle. We wanted to promote it. We wanted to commemorate it. We didn't want to be the last team in Major League Baseball without a cycle. When we have players who have a chance to hit records or do something positive, we are going to let them do it. We're going to encourage them to do it, except, and here's a little tiny nugget, if it's a financial incentive. No player has a financial incentive for a cycle. No, some players do have financial incentives for games, appearances, games finished, games started. So let's just pretend that there was a record for 39 games started in a major league season. And for whatever reason, we were going to give that player a million dollar bonus for starting 39 games because we didn't think he'd be healthy. He starts 38 games already more than any other pitcher in baseball. We're not giving him the ball the 39th time. Let him grieve it. We're not giving him the record. We're not giving him the million. But the majority of records that I'm talking about are not financially based. Vic Fangio was in the wrong here to be so angry. It had nothing to do with the impact of the game. That's number one. Number two, he did not embarrass the Broncos at all. When you see teams in a kneel down formation, you're right. You actually do get ready to not play defense. It's way too many negatives. You assume there's not going to be a play. Have you ever seen a team on offense in the National Football League when it looks like they're going to spike the ball to stop the clock, but they fake the spike and run a play? Everyone says, great job. Good strategy. Glad you did that. Or in the NBA, when you assume that they're going to call a timeout, after a free throw and you start walking to your bench and oh my God, they zip the ball in bounds to try to score. You say, hey, that's strategy. So excuse that with strategy. In the situation with the Ravens and the Broncos, it was pure ego and pure history. And I loved it. Because in 10 years, when another team or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, it's been almost 45 years since the Steelers did this. So 45 years from now, when somebody's trying to run 100 yards for their team, 43 games in a row, they'll look in the record book and say, the Steelers and the Ravens, this is the record that we're trying to break. When you go back to the Pittsburgh record that the Ravens just tied, can you promise me that in the 70s, for those 43 games, that not one time the Steelers didn't do that? Are you sure? It's likely you're right, but are you sure? Are you even thinking of it that way? I'm not. Not one player on the team is. Not the owner, not the commissioner, not the GM, not the coaches. Only Vic Fangio. I liked it. I really did. 
Okay, we told you yesterday that uh, that it was common for managers to get fired on uh, the day after the baseball season. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're just listening, you don't see I'm, I'm playing with my yellow blob again because my brain is so happy to play with it and smell it because I can't smell a thing. I just dusted my face, by the way. That was way too close, so I'm going to wipe my face with my hanky. That's my sweat hanky. So managers generally lose their jobs Monday. That's how it used to be. It used to be sort of a, what did we call it? There was a name for it when we were in the game. Oh, I can't remember, but it was, there's a name that we use. Do you remember what it is, Coca? Like Manic Monday or, or Drop the Hammer Monday? It's some name, but it really doesn't happen as much anymore because managerial firings are not as common because managers are doing less and less and it's much more the front offices. But the one that happened yesterday was newsworthy to me because it was so obvious. We told you that Louis Rojas was not going to be the manager of the Mets next year. We told you the Mets are going to have a new president of baseball operations. That was a wait to see. We told you that that president of baseball operations is going to choose the next manager because it's got to be someone who the president of baseball operations likes and wants to work with. And the manager has to be someone who understands that he's going to be answering to this new baseball president of baseball of operations. So the Mets just made the decision to announce it today, but then they did what I used to do after we fired people. And it's funny. Did you look at the announcement? The New York Mets alerted Louis Rojas that he would no longer be their manager, but he's been offered another role in the organization. Boy, that's so sweet. Thank you so much. Do you know how many times I've fired people and I've said, hey, we got a place for you in the organization if you want. And they say, hey, do me a favor. And they imitate the guy from succession. Bleep off. I think Rojas was sitting there saying, oh, thank you, Sandy. I really do appreciate that so very much that you're offering me another job in the organization so that I can walk around being the guy who couldn't win games because the players that you put together sucked. <laughs> Rojas is gone. Steve Cohn better get this right. I think we're going to be able to address this for sure over the course of the offseason as they bring in Theo and Billy Bean and David Stearns and all the other people, or Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter is not going to be. You know what? I got a bonus wait to see. If you think Buck Showalter is going to be the manager of the Mets and answer to a new president of baseball operations and operate the way managers have to operate in this day and age, you got another thing coming. So all the big rumors of Buck Showalter, NGTH. Make it an official wait to see, Coca. Buck Showalter will not be the Mets manager. All right, I got a second wait to see, and it's about the Anaheim Angels. At the end of a season, in addition to firing your manager, we like doing that in season, but firing your manager, firing your GM, firing your head of marketing, whatever you're, whoever you're going to fire, you have to meet the media. And I would meet the media at the end of every year with the president of baseball operations. And we would take questions from the media. There'd be no direct comments. It would be questions. The questions about money and business I would take, the questions about specific players, the baseball ops, Mike Hill, Larry Bonfest, whoever would take. The question would come to the baseball people first, how active are you going to be? 
Remember, that's what they asked Jeter. And Jeter said, oh, very active. Where's the follow-up question? Ah, yes, David, what, what can you tell us about payroll? Oh, um, I, I really have nothing to say about payroll. Well, then how can you tell us that you're going to be active in free agency? Oh, I, I understand. Just trust us. We will. Well, is the payroll going up? We have the third smallest payroll. We have the eighth highest payroll. We have the second highest payroll. What is the payroll for next year? So Perry Manazian is the GM of the Angels. He met the media. And when we practice what we're going to say and rehearse, we are very careful to try to avoid what afflicts all of us who meet the media, 29 of us, the team that wins the World Series, they just say, hey, we're going to try to roll it back and do it again. Any other questions? But when you don't win the World Series, it's how you're going to get better. So when Perry was asked, what are you going to do? You had the MVP in Otani. You have the best player in baseball in Trout. You signed the greatest position player two years ago in Anthony Rendon. What's your plan? And Perimanesian said, you know, <laughs> this was the quote. Pitching is obviously going to be the top priority. Wow. Epic. That's huge. I mean, that is revolutionary. The California Angels have been saying that pitching is their priority for 10 years. Everybody says pitching is the priority. That's what we do when we meet the media. We say, hey, we need pitching. It doesn't mean we're getting pitching. It doesn't mean we're getting the right pitching. The Angels are famous for signing pitchers to big deals who end up stinking or signing one-year deals to guys who stink, trying to do retreads who don't end up retreading. It happens all the time. But this is different with the Anaheim Angels of LA because they don't want to waste another year of trout. I know I say this every year, but this year I really mean it. They don't want to waste another cheap year of Otani before they have to re-sign him. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, wait to see. They are going into the free agent market, B-I-G. They will sign a pitcher, free agent to a multi-year deal with an average annual value of over $20 million. MMW, mark my words, Coca, put it on the document. The Angels will sign a free agent pitcher to a multi-year deal worth more than $20 million. And you know what? It may not be good business, but for the Angels, it's nothing personal. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.